scary world. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where we get together and talk about ghost stories, true crime, paranormal, whatever weird, just strange, funky, like crazy things that we heard about that we want to tell each other. Because it's our show. And not, not yours. yours. I'm surprised because you were like on it. You were on oh, that game. You were like, I picked up my cue because this I was time. on it. Got it. No. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Loud <laughs> and clear. You know what I meant, you bitch. <laughs> We've been doing this for a year. How do we start this, John? But you were like, yeah. I got it. I got my cue. Let's That's go. Right. I was ready to go. I was. Ready. Ready. <laughs> um, from Drop Dead Gorgeous, Sawyer, you're welcome. Yes, I know. I knew what you were referencing. So, um, we are, while this episode comes out, right, like, uh, Val and I are camping for Val's birthday. and Happy birthday, um, Val. Happy birthday, Val. And Teresa. Oh, you know what Val needs to get for their birthday to interrupt real fast? What? A ghost dick. A ghost dick? Mm, that's wink, not a bad wink, idea. Nudge, wink, nudge. Wink. Say no more. Say no more. So, <laughs> so whenever Teresa has gone out of town, a lot of times we take care of her cat, and I always laugh because Teresa leaves like like really detailed instructions, and I'm like, I have a cat. I know how to take care of a cat. Um, but then I was like, let me leave some instructions for Teresa because she's taking care of our cats while we're gone. And I have, I, I don't think I've ever, I've never been away from Xander this long when I didn't have a roommate. Like, and I've had to have somebody like come take care of him. Right. Um, and so then I started writing instructions for them and then I was like, oh, so like, I totally get why her instructions are the way they are. Because she kept asking me all these questions where she's like, when should I be there? And like, you know, how, what do I need to do? What, what do I need to take care of? So I was like, let me write her some instructions. Um, I'm going to share those instructions with you. Oh, I was like, and now you you're mind. like, oh, I get it. Oh, no, please. I'm sure that I have written some like similar form when you get into full mom mode. So it's labeled Bebe Instructions. <laughs> the Bebe. Thank you so much for agreeing to care for our babes in our absence. <laughs> Do the whole the thing cats, like Maura. Um, I couldn't. I, would, I can't. <laughs> I'd laugh too much. I wouldn't be able to get through it. Uh, the cats are fed once a day between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. If you need to come earlier or a little later, that's okay. Church gets two one-third cup scoops of small kibble. Xander gets one scoop of small kibble and one scoop of large kibble. Shake the bowls a bit to make sure the food spreads out between the bumps because it's a slow feeder bowl. Their bowls are identical, but his is the one closest to the water fountain. We usually put hers on the little white shelf on the ground to the left, but she will move it around throughout the day picking the food out. So, like, sometimes it ends up, like, halfway through the kitchen. So, if... Because I know that Teresa... to walk and eat. Well, because it's a slow feeder, so she can't just, like, dig it. So, sometimes she has to, like, scoop it. So, when she scoops it, she, like, pulls it, like, towards herself. And I didn't want Teresa to be like, where is her bowl? Like, her bowl is somewhere in the kitchen, wherever she's, like, pulled it through, or pulled it to throughout the day. Um, After feeding, please scoop the litter in both litter boxes, one in the kitchen, one in the upstairs office. I usually grab one bag to scoop both boxes. 
Um, top off both the water fountains. Uh, they're also in the kitchen in the office. If you can, please hang around for 20 to 30 minutes, more if you want, just to make sure Xander doesn't eat too much from Church's bowl. She usually <laughs> just grazes and walks around. Xander will try to eat as much as possible, as fast as possible, hence the slow feeders, and sometimes it makes him throw up. I'm really sorry if you have to clean any cat vomit while you're there. Ugh, <laughs> Feel free to hang out in the living room and watch TV or spend time with the kitties in the backyard if it's not too hot. They love going outside. <laughs> and the places where they could get out should be blocked off. Don't let Xander eat grass. It will make him throw up. <laughs> he will fucking try you. Don't feel, <laughs> don't feel guilty about making him stay inside while you and church chill outside should he continue to try you. <laughs> If you want to play, Church has a catnip pickle that floats around the living room. There's also a rainbow felt strings on a stick or a fake fish on a fishing pole downstairs. There's also a dangly ribbon string stick toy upstairs in the office. You can spray either one of them with Meowawana, which is our catnip spray, yeah. on the mantle. They may play for a little bit, but they're usually more into petting than playing. And then I left our Wi-Fi password and how like directions on how to use the TV. Yep, it's all the same. Whether you're babysitting a dog or a child, I have had all the same form of instructions left, and I have left the same. Right, and I was like, I don't need to leave instructions. And I'm like, I kind of do. And then once I started to leave them, I was like, God, these fucking cats. I would individually separate each of Snoopy's meals. So Snoopy ate twice a day. I would put each one in an individual Ziploc bag. And I would be like, here's all of his meals. Here's all of his treats in individual Ziploc bags. Here's all of his toys. Here's everything. Yeah, it's normal. Yep. Our cats don't really play very much like you can play so if you want them to play like you have to spray it with a meowawana yeah. because they don't really give a shit unless it smells like catnip and then they really give a shit i mean we get that we get that we do we've got our own meowawana that, we, yeah. that we're very fond of but those are my bebe instructions for Teresa on how to care for my cats while we're away i like the bebe instructions the bebes the bebes for caring for our babies in our absence. Caring for the babies. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I'm... Nice. While this episode comes out, I'm, you know, naked in the woods somewhere. Yeah, we don't know if she's going to come back, y'all, but hopefully. <sighs> Girl. Should all, we might all lose the her to the woods. to come back to. Into the woods. And out of the woods She'll... home for dark. She'll know things. She'll come back and she'll know things now that she... Many valuable things. Many valuable things that she never knew before. You know, I love to say that nice is different than good. And I learned that from Into the Woods. And she's going back for more. Always. Anyways. (laughs) Sarah. Stephanie. Leslie. Leslie. Y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Am I going first this time or are you going first this time? Yeah, you are. I'm really excited for mine. Uh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Take it away. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Great. So I'm talking about a lady named Blanche Taylor Moore. No, no. Does she scream? Probably did at some point. No, she's pretty quiet. She's a quiet type. She's quiet type. She's quiet type. 
right. So, she was born, she's from North Carolina, like me. She's from Concord, North Carolina, which is actually where my sister lives, outside of Charlotte. I'll tell her to say hi to Blanche. (laughs) So, so she was born in 1933, okay? In 1952, she married James Napoleon Taylor, who was a veteran and a furniture restorer. They had two children, uh, one in 1953 and one in 1959. In 1954, Blanche began working at Kroger as a cashier. By 1959, she'd been promoted to head cashier, roughly the equivalent of a customer service manager today, which was, at the time, the highest job available to a female employee at Kroger. All right, Blanche. Blanche moving on up that Kroger chain. Moving on up. Yes, she was. She was trying it. In 1962, Blanche began an affair with a man by the name of Raymond Reed. And yes, he was the manager Blanche. of the store where she was working. So she was like, <gasps> she had a boss. Her husband died in 1971. So he died. It was almost like. Convenient. Um, yes. Not, not convenient. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, I was just trying to think of how long she was with Raymond before her husband died. Like they were, they were fooling around for a while. You yeah. know what I mean? So it wasn't like, you know, like in this passion, like, let's do It was a professional affair. Right. Um, He, like her father, who had died three years earlier, they uh, died of of a heart attack. So her dad died a few years earlier, and then her husband died in 1971, also of a heart attack. Okay. Okay. After Taylor's death in 1971, Blanche and Reed began dating publicly. So now that it wasn't like... You know, on the DL, they were, like, out and around together. By 1985, however, the relationship had soured. There are indications that she began to date another man by the name of Kevin Denton. He was Kroger's regional manager for the Piedmont Triad area. So she has a type. She does. Denton was forced to resign. uh, Or, sorry, no, I skipped a whole sentence. So there are indications that she began seeing him, right? So, however, the relationship ended, and she filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against Denton and Kroger in October of 85. Blanche, girl, no. Denton was forced to resign, and Kroger settled the case out of court two years later for $275,000. This was in 1987, the year I was That's a lot of money. Yes. In 1985, Blanche also accused an unknown pervert of starting two fires that damaged her mobile home. On Easter Sunday, she met Reverend Dwight Moore, who is the divorced pastor of the Carolina United Church of Christ in rural Alamance County. Eventually, the two of them began meeting for meals. Blanche had to hide her budding relationship with Moore because of her lawsuit against Kroger, where she maintained, so as part of, like, her sexual harassment thing, right, she said that it had made her completely alienated and antagonistic towards men and that she was not able to maintain any meaningful social contacts with the opposite sex because she had been sexually harassed. So now she had to hide this relationship because it would mess up her lawsuit where she was claiming that, like, she was so traumatized by being harassed that she couldn't even be with another man. Girl, and she was like, you are with another man. digging that hole deep. Girl. While she was dating more, she, uh, she asked him to procure, uh, to procure some arsenic-based ant killer. 
1986, Reed, who she was with now, the person who she was with after her husband died, developed what was initially diagnosed as a case of shingles. He was hospitalized in April of that year and died on October 7th, 1986. That's one year before I was born. She done poisoned him. Doctors indicated that the cause of death was Guillain-Barre syndrome. The Kroger lawsuit was settled one year later. Blanche and Moore began seeing each other publicly shortly after Reed's death. <laughs> I just can't and- imagine the conversations going on between the other people in the town, like, over tea, where they're just like, Girl. did you see who Blanche is with now? Right. They planned to marry, but Blanche was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1987. The wedding date was pushed back to November 88, but Moore developed a mysterious intestinal ailment that required two surgeries to correct. On April 19, 1989, the couple were married and honeymooned over a long weekend in New Jersey. Within days of Ew. their return... Why New Jersey? Girl. <laughs> Within days of their return, Moore became severely ill and collapsed after eating a fast food chicken sandwich that Blanche had given him. After several days of extreme nausea and vomiting, Moore was admitted to Alamance County Hospital on April 28th. For the next two days, he was transferred between Alamance County and North Carolina Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem. Moore was then admitted to the North Carolina Memorial Hospital in Chapel Hill. Despite hospitalization, his condition deteriorated further, threatening multiple organ failure and death. Blanche had told doctors that she had been working with her, or that he had been working with herbicide in their yard soon after returning from the honeymoon. Doctors Lucas and Wong, uh, doctors Lucas Wong, Jonathan Sirodi, Mark Murphy, and George Sanders, after discussions with a hospital toxicologist, ordered a toxicology screen to check for herbicide poisoning. Now I don't know why she even said that because she was kind of in the clear. Do you Honestly, know what I mean? you know what I think her kink is is poisoning men like watching men die so my thing was just she's like into it i just don't understand why why like why she would even say that right i'm like maybe she figures they're gonna do it like do an autopsy anyway so if she says hey i saw him using this stuff they'll just see anything come up and be like oh well she said sure but only if they did a toxicology report because when you die from arsenic poisoning, a lot of times it looks like a heart attack. <laughs> but the, maybe that's the other thing, though. Maybe she's in it for the thrill of the chase and she's been getting away too easy. Right. Now she's, like, bored. Now she's like, please try and catch me. And they're like, okay. The results came back on March 13th, showing Moore had 20 times the lethal dose of arsenic in his system. That boy held on. The most arsenic found in a living patient in the hospital's history at that time. What is it now? I don't know. Oh. Moore had a particularly robust condition and survived. However, he never regained full sensation in his hands and feet. He he didn't die? He didn't die. He got 20 times the lethal dose and he didn't die? He didn't die. And he didn't get paralyzed. He's just like, ah, my hands and feet are tingly. (laughs) Yeah, right. They feel a little weird, but like, it's fine. Which I'm like, dang. I can get a hot pan out of the oven now without using an oven mitt. It's kind of a win-win. He did an interview in 2010 where he said he still suffers tremors in his hands and weakness in his legs. But he could be dead. He could be dead. 
The North That's Carolina crazy. State Bureau of Investigation and the police were notified by the hospital of Moore's toxicology results. When interviewed by the police from his hospital bed, he mentioned that a former boyfriend of Blanche's died from from Julian Barr syndrome, which presents similar symptoms to arsenic poisoning. Investigators also discovered Blanche had attempted to change Moore's pension in order to make herself the principal beneficiary. This bitch. In light of these revelations, exhumations of her first husband, James Taylor, her lover, Raymond Reed, and her father, Parker Kaiser, were ordered by investigators. Subsequent autopsies showed elevated levels of arsenic in all three bodies. She done killed them all. All the men in her life, except for the last one. The levels found in Reed and Taylor were determined to be fatal, therefore reclassifying their deaths as the result of arsenic poisoning. It also emerged that doctors at Baptist Hospital, where Reed was admitted in 1986, had ordered a toxicology screen on him at that time. However, on the day that the test came back, the resident responsible for caring for Reed rotated to another hospital, and the new resident never passed the results up the chain of command. Those results had shown an extremely high level of arsenic in Reed's system. Ooh, so she just barely got away. She got, got away, away with by it. a fluke because of that. She one. got away, but that means she got away with her husband, with her she father, with her dad, her first husband, and her lover, who she almost got caught, and then she didn't, and then she called attention to herself on the fourth one, which is how she ended up getting caught. During interviews, Blanche stated that both Moore and Reed felt depressed and suggested that they had probably been taking arsenic themselves. (laughs) Something investigators found highly improbable. I don't know, officer. I didn't touch. What is that? I can't even read. What does that say? Penicillin? Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Aren't you glad I didn't poison him? Because I didn't. He did it. Because I did it. Additionally, it emerged that she had still been sleeping with Reed around the same time that she began dating Moore, raising further questions about her possible involvement with Reed's illness and death. Blanche also had Moore's hair cut in an attempt to prevent hair samples being obtained by the SBI. Pubic Stop. hair samples were used instead. She to see how long pubes. the toising had gone on. No, they had to use his pubes instead because the hair on his head was too short. So they had to test the pubes instead. I remember being in high school and like they would do drug testing and all of a sudden all the stoners in the school would show up to school with their hair buzzed. (laughs) High school. High school. On July 18th, 1989, Blanche was arrested and charged with first degree murder in the deaths of Reed and Taylor. She was also charged with assault with a deadly weapon for poisoning Moore. Prosecutors later dropped the charges in the cases of Taylor and Moore after she was sentenced to death for Reed's murder. Oh, so did she, did she get it? So here's the thing. I guess it's not a, it's more like a. Because it's a legal <laughs> like a sh- Right. So the, tr- the she had her trial. It started in 1990. She adamantly denied ever giving Reed any food uh, that was poisonous, right? Uh, however, the state introduced 53 witnesses who testified about her daily trips to the hospital, because he was getting worse yeah. when he was in the hospital, bringing him food. 
53 She's witnesses. like, that wasn't food for him. That She's was like, a that- snack for me. She's like, that never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. That must have been a ghost. The state had an easier time than expected in making such a complex case because Reed's ex-wife and sons had sued Baptist Hospital for malpractice. They were able to get normal statute of limitations for wrongful death thrown out because they were able to prove that Blanche, as executor of Reed's estate, should have been the person to find out about the toxicology screening. The Reed family argued that Blanche fraudulently prevented them from finding out about the test. Long-standing precedent in the U.S. courts holds that statutes of limitations do not apply when the defendant engages in fraudulent concealment. So because she had hidden the way that he died, um, wrongful death, um, like statute of limitations didn't count. Yeah. Basically. So under the terms of the deal between the Forsyth County District's Attorney's Office and the Reed family's lawyers, most of the evidence against Blanche was gathered by the latter party. Although the courts have interpreted the Fifth Amendment protection against self-incrimination very broadly for criminal cases, such protections usually don't apply in civil cases because she was being sued for for a wrongful death. Civil law also allows much more latitude for searches and subpoena. Um, Blanche was convicted on November 14th. On November 17th, the jury recommended the death penalty. On January 18th, 1991, the presiding judge concurred with the jury and sentenced Moore to die by lethal injection. That was in 1991, okay? It's 2020. She currently resides at the North Carolina Correctional Institution for Women as prisoner 0288088. She is still alive. She's Why still hasn't on- she been executed? Just everything takes She's still on death row. Right, exactly. And this was 30 years ago, almost. Yes, because I was born in 91. Yes. Yes. So she is still living in, on death row. She wrote music in the past. She spends her time writing poetry. Health issues in prison have required more to undergo both chemotherapy and radiation therapy. Because of the automatic appeals in progress, Blanche has been able to avoid execution for 28 years. And she maintains her innocence to this day. No. Yes. No. Yes. Girl. One of Blanche's attorneys. Her songs are like. If I did it. If I did it, yes. (laughs) Um, So she is still alive. She's been on death row for 28 plus years. She is 87 years old. And she's in prison. Because she was born in 1933 and she is on death row in prison in my home state of North Carolina. (laughs) She's probably at that point in prison, too, where everyone leaves her alone because they're like, fuck it, look how old she is. Just leave her. Plus, also, if she's depressed, they should just give her some arsenic. She can handle it the way her (laughs) ex-husband I mean, she's taking it. She chose to take it herself. She's depressed. Exactly. That's the tea. So that is Blanche Taylor Moore. Wow. who, Who killed... Four people, three people, and attempted to kill a fourth person. And was a major player. In the 80s. Yes. A major, major player. player. And she was convicted and sentenced to death to lethal injection, and she is still alive on death row almost she's 30 still, years later. She's still playing that system. At the age of 87. 87. I know. Oof. That kills me. She a bad bitch. She she is. In all forms. For in all, all forms. forms. 
That's Woo. my story. I'm sticking to it. Wow. Yeah. Well, also, you know, Blanche is sticking to her Same story. with her, right? She's I like, if I, <laughs> <laughs> if I did it. If I did it. Or as the re-edited cover would go, I did it. I did it. I just love the idea of her songs being just like country music, banjo, almost like Tiger King reminiscent. And it's just, if I did it. Instead of, yeah, instead of I saw a tiger. (laughs) If I did did it. it. But you know You would understand. (laughs) If I did did it. But I didn't do it then. <laughs> I did it the next week. I did it the next time. That's right. All yeah. right. Well. Yep. Sarah, what are you, you talking about? talking about? What are you talking about this week, Sarah? <coughs> I'm Poppy. <laughs> Sarah. Uh, so. man. <laughs> Hold on, let me take a drink, because I'm excited to talk about what I'm going to talk about, but it's spooky. I know, you seem really excited, so I'm excited. (sighs) All right. Get it. I'm going to be doing my first, you've done one, but I haven't done a haunted doll. Ooh! A haunted doll. I thought you did do a haunted doll. I mean, you've done haunted objects. I did the haunted faces, which handled two paintings and the faces of Belle Mez, which ha- were I thought you did faces. the real Annabelle. Did I do the real Annabelle? You did the real Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> you don't Are even you remember. Sure? All we know is that it was it's our like highest liked post on Instagram. Yes, we have a post on Instagram that has like Two thousand likes. Yes, because you did like Lorraine, Warren, and Annabelle like in the same go. Yeah. Okay. So sure. no, this isn't Annabelle. This is Peggy the doll. And no, I didn't I say Poppy. That. I said Peggy. They are so. It's not Poppy. It's not Poppy. It's P-O-P-P-Y, Peggy. P O P P Y. It's Poppy. P E G G Y. It's Peggy. Peggy. Okay. Cool. 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 P E G G. Now you haunted bitch. It's Peggy. P E G G Y. Because she Peggy haunted. <laughs> P-E-G-G-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you haunted. You Peggy. Yeah, yeah, you haunted. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so one thing about Peggy that uh, is rampant of what Peggy likes to do is Peggy likes to make people feel sick, make people feel like they're suffering heart attacks, makes them feel down, make them (sighs) feel things and have things that happen that could hurt and or harm you. And also... (laughs) Peggy. <laughs> also, Peggy is apparently will also come and harm people who talk about her too much or talk about her in an ill way. So we're going to find out if we're going to get haunted. And I'm I've been straight. researching this story for two days and I'm going to talk about my experience with that, too. What? Get out. <laughs> so <laughs> I had and when I was first sort of started doing research on this then I realized oh my god I've seen Peggy before but I started doing research on Peggy the doll because like I usually do I started watching Ghost Adventures and we'll loop back to her episode of Ghost Adventures in a little bit but I want to just talk a little bit about the backstory about Miss Peggy the doll 
So her original owner picked her up from a garage sale. We don't know too, too much about the circumstances around it. About her original, original owner. Yes. And we don't know much about her original owner from the garage sale either. What we do know is that she picked her up from a garage sale because she felt drawn to her. Um, When she brought the doll into her home is when she started to notice weird and strange things happening. Things like nightmares sleep paralysis, headaches, migraines to be specific, lights dimming and getting brighter, cold spots, your normal phenomenon. The owner would have nightmares about Peggy and she would move Peggy to another room in the house. She would try to move her location. Nothing changed. She had a priest come and bless the doll twice. Oh, of course. And things just got worse. And at that point, she started getting sick and having hallucinations. So in 2014, she mailed Peggy the doll to a woman named Jane Harris. Okay. Now, a little bit about Jane Harris. Jane Harris grew up in a world of paranormal. Her parents were, like, obsessed with the paranormal and talked about it all the time. So she was no stranger to it. It's almost as if, like... You or I had a kid and we were still doing this podcast. And it was like, mm-hmm. it's just, no, my parents talk about, you know, my mom's talk about sp- spooky shit and ghosts. Mm-hmm. So she just grew up with it. But in 2000, her cousin passed away. And at that point was when Jane began to study spirit attachment, which is basically a spirit attaching itself to an object, an inanimate object, a doll, etc. And that's also when Jane founded HD Paranormal, which is her company. And HD, HD, like in dog, stands for Haunted Dolls Paranormal. Okay. And their company specializes in helping people who believe they have a possessed doll. So you can send them your doll or you can get in touch with them about your doll and they'll get you in touch with a priest, a seance, whatever you need to figure (laughs) out what's going on with your haunted doll. Right? There's a market for it. (laughs) so there is i guess in 2014 jane got a box on her front doorstep and it was peggy it was peggy in the box unannounced attached only the only thing with her was a note that was from the original owner stating that the doll's name was peggy that she had done two seances with a priest and two blessings and And this is the person you buy at the garage sale right yes okay So she sent the doll. She didn't give a return address. She didn't give any personal information. She was like, here's this doll. This is what started happening. I had a priest come. Nothing fixed it. She's yours now. I read that you handle this. Please take her off. This is like your specialty. She like found them on Google. Yes. She found them on Google, mailed it to Jane and was like wiping her hands. I'm done. Take the doll. Yeah. So at that point, Jane finds Peggy in her care. So in 2015, Jane begins to investigate the doll, but she has no other information other than that note that came with the doll. It's kind of like I imagined all the old movies where people drop a baby off in a basket on a doorstep at an orphanage and all they have is a locket with their name. Like this was Peggy the doll. She showed up on her doorstep and all she had was this note that's like, it says that I'm haunted. I don't know. (laughs) Can I stay here with you? And Jane's like, sure. So she has no other information other than the letter that came along with Peggy. So Jane does what anyone would do. And she jumps on the internet and she posts a video. 
And she takes a video with Peggy the doll sitting next to her and a video of Peggy showing Peggy asking, does anyone know anything about this doll? Has anyone heard anything? We're doing some research. This is what we got. And she didn't say anything about we got the doll because the owner was experiencing these health concerns. None of that was included in the original video. It was really yeah. just a, have you seen this doll before? You know? Yeah. Just 24 hours after posting that video originally, Jane says that she got over 80 people writing saying that after viewing the video, they suffered chest pains, nausea, headaches, and migraines. Some people reported having visions of mental institutions and unethical medical procedures happening. None of them had been talking to each other. None of them knew anything that had happened to Peggy before anything about Peggy. And each of them individually wrote into Jane saying, Hey, I watched your video and I just had this happen. One woman And we'll circle back to her later. But one woman claims that two minutes after viewing the video, she began to have such severe chest pains that she went to the hospital and they noticed that she had had a very mild heart attack. Since then, she claims that Peggy still haunts her dreams and she still feels the cloud of Peggy happening. Before this happened and she saw the video, she said she had no health problems. Now she's having many health problems and she feels like Peggy is staying with her. As of today, over 300 people have claimed to be a victim of Peggy after laying eyes on the doll. Whether it be watching the video, Googling the image, watching the show that Zach Bagans did. Yeah. Over 300. Peggy also will show up in people's dreams and she will predict tragedies. Because of that, people wonder whether she's warning you about a tragedy or is she showing you what she's going to do. One example is after viewing the Peggy the doll video, one woman dreamed she saw Peggy petting her cat. She woke up the next morning and her cat was dead. Mm, I don't like that. In the beginning, when these reports were coming in, they, of course, weren't being talked about. Jane wasn't posting, hey, oh, my God, so many people are having heart attacks. Did you have a heart attack? Click this link now. Like none of that was happening. (laughs) Click this link now. And so people didn't know that others were experiencing similar activity. They were just sending in their stories. Yeah. So other stories and other activity and claims that we've heard are that while people are either viewing the video or looking at a picture of Peggy, or some people even claim to be thinking about Peggy, their computer will freeze, their rooms will go cold, lights will blow out at the mention of her name, like a light bulb will burst. There's one woman who was thinking about Peggy. She'd watched the video and then she was sitting back and she was thinking about Peggy. And while she was thinking, the lights in her house began to dim up and down, but she had no dimmer switch attached to these outlets. And as the lights slowly went dark, she suddenly felt like there was someone in the room with her, behind her, and she could hear them moving around in her house. She immediately emailed Jane as this was happening And when Jane received the email across the country, she goes, she grabs Peggy, she puts Peggy in an empty room, and Jane demanded Peggy to stop bothering people. And after Jane said to stop, apparently the lights in the woman's home went super bright and then went back to normal. Now, we've had five different psychic mediums on five separate readings all agree and all say that the spirit within the doll of Peggy is restless 
and frustrated and was apparently someone who was persecuted during their life. They also concluded that there's both a male and a female entity around the doll. Apparently the female entity is the one who mainly communicates and she's the one who gave the name Peggy. Because <laughs> of course the ladies want to talk. The male entity, however, doesn't speak and apparently is a dark and nasty energy that's usually felt and is usually believed to be the cause of all the negative events that happen around Peggy. The mediums believe that the person, that the woman entity was someone who was born around 1946 in London and died of chest related conditions, potentially an asthma attack. And other mediums believe that she could have been Jewish or had ties to the Holocaust. Why? Because they were doing automatic writing sessions. Are you familiar with what an automatic writing session is? Isn't that when, like, somebody just takes a pen and they just start writing things and, like, see if any, like, they doodle or whatever until stuff just starts coming out of them? To a degree, yeah. It's kind of like grabbing a pen and opening yourself up to be... Like an automaton for a ghost. Right. Like the ghost can then write through you. That's what like I think of every time. It's like automaton, automaton writing. Constable. Yeah. Automaton constable writing ghost. But yeah, automatic writing is usually done by like a medium or someone who is open to the paranormal or the other world. And they open themselves up to be to a degree possessed by an entity who can use their hand with the pen to then write and scribble. And it's yeah. automatic writing. So they've done multiple automatic writing sessions with Peggy. And during the first session, potential, the during the first session, after a few mediums claimed that they felt that the woman had ties, that was they were either Jewish or they had ties to the Holocaust, a different mood, medium who was doing the automatic writing on a different day got the word star and the word David in yeah. their writing. And Jane, the original, the, you know, haunted dolls owner, the current owner, Jane yeah. claimed that Peggy had demonstrated a dislike of the cross necklace that the former owner had put around her neck. So when you see, present, uh, when you see instances of that, they think either the person inside of Peggy is Jewish and therefore doesn't want the cross on them or it's a demon. Right. <laughs> Like, isn't it most likely the second? Isn't that usually the thing? Is like, oh, cross is kind of a demon. I mean, por que no las dos, though, if you're dealing with the paranormal. I guess it could be a Jewish demon. Could be a I Jewish sh- demon. We don't know. Um, in, 2015, in 2015, during a session, seance session with Peggy, Jane was scratched, leaving three claw marks, and a Catholic priest advised her to use holy water weekly and recite St. Michael, the Archangel's Prayer. Some say the sign of three scratches is a mock of the Holy Trinity and therefore evidence that it's a demonic entity. So we're up in the air on what's in Peggy, whether it be a male, a female spirit, or is it a female and a demonic spirit, or is it all a demonic spirit? Because, of course, demonic spirits can present themselves as something that would be more appealing to you, which is right. why a lot of times we find them in children's dolls like Annabelle. Yes. We don't know. Uh, either way, we know that Peggy is not a big fan of religion. Mm. She just doesn't like it. And 
As we saw earlier, when the woman was experiencing the light dimming in her room, Peggy also has the ability for her powers to travel. During one investigation automatic writing session, one woman across the country became directly involved. So there's this woman named Lindy who was Googling and she came across the video of Peggy and she saw the video of Peggy online for the first time. And in response to seeing the picture of Peggy, she said out loud, she looks really creepy. And right after saying that, her dog begins to snarl and growl at the corner of the room in full attack mode with the hair on its back standing up. Lindy says she also felt like someone else was suddenly in the room with them and heard the faint sound of a child laughing. So she backtracks immediately and is like, nope, nope, nope. I'm so sorry. I do not mean to say that you're creepy. You're, you're beautiful. You look like Linda Evangelista. You're a model. Like you're great. I love you. And as soon as she says like, I'm so sorry, her dog stops barking and she doesn't feel like there's someone in the room with her anymore. So then she shrugs that off and continues to watch the video because sure. And while she's watching the video, she suddenly has this overwhelming like urge to talk to her daughter. And at the time her daughter was dealing with some depression and suicidal tendencies and was just not communicating with her mother. Well, they were coming to a head and Lindy didn't really know how to approach that conversation with her and tell her like, I'm here for you. I'm really sorry, but we need, we need to get you help. She had just sort of felt powerless and didn't know how to do it. So she's watching this video of Peggy and all of a sudden she's like, I'm going to do it. She like, hears Rob Snyder in the background. You can do it. And she's like, I can do it. And she's like, I can do it. Rob Schneider. I can do it. Rob Schneider. I can do it, Peggy. And so she goes to her daughter and she basically says the few moments, like, the big key phrases that she says are, I want an explanation and I want to explain myself. And then she ends it by by saying explicitly, I'm drawing the line and I'm getting you help. Meanwhile, back with Peggy at headquarters, they're doing an automatic writing session with her. And the person who's doing the medium who's doing the session ends up scribbling down these words, Lindy, girl explanation and draw a line regret (laughs) that's what peggy is writing right now as we talk about her on the podcast i'll follow her on instagram they'll be like we got this auto writing session it just said regret over and over and over again (laughs) and then it was also like karma got its kiss for you bitch and then they were like, Sarah, describe Peggy. And you're like, talented, brilliant, incredible, amazing, show-topping, spectacular. They're the same. Totally unique. <laughs> I love you. You look like an evangelista. She's amazing. You know, there could be 99 dolls Maybe. in a room, but you just need one Peggy. Aren't possessed. But all you need, need is one, one Peggy. You just need all one you need Peggy. is one Peggy. Yeah. So we knew that all of this happened because after Lindy was done talking with her daughter, she got back onto her computer and still had the tab open and they had updated her (laughs) Facebook page being like, we just did this auto writing session and we got these things. And Lindy was like, it me, but really (laughs) it me. (laughs) And she wrote out. So uh, what I took from that is that boomers can't use social media, but ghosts and demons sure as shit can. 
Yeah, of course. So you boomers can. have no excuse. So Jane like, owned girl, literally the dead are doing better than you are. Honestly, come on. Come on. So Jane owned Peggy for two years. And during the two years that Jane owned Peggy and roomed with Peggy, she was their, you know, roommate. Uh, she documented everything that happened. She captured EVPs. There were shadows. There were light anomalies. There was unexplained animal deaths, EMF readings, chairs shaking during seances, bug infestations, physical scratches, personal messages like what just happened with Lindy, night terrors, disembodied footsteps, pets reacting aggressively, and continued reports of health concerns. Jane says she was auto writing one night and the pendulum was going crazy and she was really excited and she's scribbling all this stuff down writing as fast as she can. And when she's done, she calls it a night. She leaves the book in the room with Peggy. She's like, that was a good session, Pegs. I'll see you tomorrow. She goes upstairs. (laughs) She goes to bed. She comes back and the book is gone. Peggy's in the same spot. She's a little shifted, but that book is gone. After looking around the house, that book was up on an exposed beam in the ceiling of the basement. Fuck that. Jane had to get her husband on a ladder to get the book down. Fuck that. So one other common factor is that Peggy doesn't seem to want anyone to know anything about her. So when you do a seance, when a priest shows up, she doesn't want to talk. If you ask her questions... She doesn't like that. Typically, she doesn't want people talking about her. She doesn't want you to know anything about her. So that brings us to what I was watching and what brought Peggy back into my mind. And that was the 2016 episode of Ghost Adventures Deadly Possessions featuring Peggy the doll. Peggy. (laughs) So this is where I'm going to go off of my notes and I'm just going to talk about watching that episode with Peggy. Jane walks in with the doll. So where this happens is this happens at Zach Bagan's haunted Las Vegas museum, which I is on my list of things (laughs) I want to go to. So he's got this museum full of all of this shit that he's collected that's haunted, etc. And of course, in all Zach Bagan's fashion, like it's very theatrical. It's very like big. He's got the Dybbuk box in there, which I have, did you talk about the Dybbuk yes. box? He's I thought got, you talked about the Dybbuk box. I don't think I talked about the Dybbuk box. Somebody a, did. That was a big story. Well, he's got the Dybbuk box. He's got uh, Dr. Kevorkian's van that he would use. Yep. <laughs> what? He's got all of these crazy artifacts. And one of the things he has is Peggy the doll. And that's because Jane brought Peggy for this interview and then I believe she sold, but like gave Peggy to Zach. Yeah. So Jane brings the doll in and, you know, they've got shots of it. They've got all their cameras. It's all very theatrical. So you see Jane walking through the museum and she's got the doll and the doll's like a big, like probably three foot tall, like baby doll, like old school baby doll. And she's got the doll's head covered by a black cloth, like an executioner's cloth. So she's got a bag over the doll's head. And she sets the doll down in the chair and looks at Zach. And Zach has that same reaction where he's like, okay, why is there a bag on the doll's head? And that's when Jane proceeds to be like, well, if people look at her, they tend to get sick and have a heart attack. 
What? <laughs> and you can see Zach being like, huh, I want to know more, but I also don't want to just immediately jump and take the bag off this doll's head in case this is all true. So he continues to have this little interview with Jane while the bag is on Peggy's head. While he's having this interview, you can see all of this in the episode, you suddenly notice like one or two flies flying around his head just around Zach and he's like stops and you can like see it like one lands on his forehead and he's like you swatting it away just flies inside the building only bothering Zach well that's number one a sign that demons are around is when flies just show up show up around Zach and especially if flies show up around Zach Bagans like you know there's a demon around you're like ooh where to party at what a weird way to show yourself right but that's what they do. They show up by, because, you know why? Because they're full of shit. So the flies show up. Hey, hey. Man, I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Peggy. You're you're beautiful. You look like Evangelista. You're innovative. You're never the same. Um, So these flies. So these flies are showing up around Zach. And Zach's like, whoa, that's weird. That could be demons. Okay, whatever. Let's keep having questions. Could be demons. And so he's asking these questions about Peggy. And what's the one thing we know about Peggy? She don't like questions. Right, yeah. She's she don't like, like to be questioned. She's no questions. like, Peggy, I love you so much. You're so perfect. You're beautiful. Never change. Like, she's like, I don't want to talk hear to it. it. No questions. No. So as he's asking these questions and he's getting closer to being like, okay, well, I'm ready. Like, I want to, I'm going to do a disclaimer and I want to take the bag off of the doll's head. As he's saying that, the security camera that's in the room, which they have in all of the rooms in the museum... Not the still cameras in the room, like the ones that are being operated, but the security camera goes dead. The feed goes black. Like as soon as Zach says, all right, I, you know, let's, let's go to the disclaimer to take the bag off of her head. His camera cuts out, goes black. All the other cameras in the building are fine. All the other cameras, again, that you know are being operated are fine. So then at this point, you know, we find all that out. Zach comes back and Zach's like, all right, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put up a disclaimer. And he says, he looks into the camera and he tells the audience something along the lines of like, we're going to show the doll's face right now. Be aware if something had like, this is what has happened. It's if like, you want to turn the like TV seven off, seven days, turn it off. Yep. But just be known that this is what's going to happen. And then they take the mask off of the doll's face so I'm watching this episode, folding my laundry, smoking a joint, right? And then they get, to the, they get to the disclaimer and I paused and I was like, fuck. Do I really want to do this? Yes. Because I was stoned enough to be like, what if she gets me? <laughs> what if something happens? And so I literally sat there for a while and then I got on Reddit and I Googled the episode on Reddit and then I just Googled Peggy the doll and I like had my sort of hand over the screen and like one eye closed and I was like, I'm just going to glance really fast. And I glanced and I realized that I had seen her before and I was like, okay, everything's fine. Everything. I'd already seen her. I'd already, I've already seen her. Whew, I've already done Peggy. a little all bit right, of research on this story. I've already seen her. All right, Peggy. All right, Peggy. All right. You popped up in my Tinder deck before Peggy. All right. We're good. We're good. So then I started the episode, <laughs> but I was definitely like, I was stoned enough to be like, oh my God, what if Peggy gets me? 
So they go on and they show Peggy. And honestly, Peggy is a creepy looking doll. She's got like this blonde bowl cut, these dark inlaid eyes, and then just like a baby doll. Yeah. Not long after showing her face, Zach does a normal Zach thing, which is all of a sudden he gets like really angry and he like goes off camera and he throws up and then he comes back and he punches a wall and he tells Aaron, I just want to kill everyone. And Aaron's like, you need to go outside and get some air. And I'm like, this is typical scripted Zach behavior. Right. So he goes outside, he gets some air, he comes back. That's when they bring in the woman who had had a heart attack two minutes after viewing the video of her. So the doll is gone. They bring the woman in. The woman's telling her story. The woman is like in tears, like holding back tears. She's visibly shaken. And at that point, Zach was like, you know, I thought about bringing Annabelle or Annabelle. I thought about bringing Peggy in here to like sit next to you. But after hearing your story, I think. I think I'll hold, I'll hold off on that. I'll, I'll hold back on that. Almost like he's testing the waters where he's like, I really don't, I really want to bring that doll in here with you right now, but I'm going to like give you an out. But like, I still really want to bring that doll in here with you. And she's of course, like, as soon as he mentions bringing Peggy in, her face is like white. Her Why eyes are big. She's like, her no. Right here. Not Peggy. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so then Zach has a seance with, him, another person from the Ghost Adventures team, Jane, a medium, Peggy, and that woman who had had the heart attack two minutes after viewing her. So they get this yeah. woman to come in and they agree for her to do this seance with Peggy. As they're sitting in the room, they claim that one of the chairs starts shaking. I didn't see it. The other claim <laughs> that they have... Is that the can? Some of the candle flames started flickering wildly. Again, I I I am skeptic about that because if you have a room full of six people and they're talking, that's air moving throughout the room. So some of the candles are gonna flicker and some of them aren't. Whatever. One thing that did happen though is as they were talking, you sort of heard this like tap 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 of a typewriter sound behind them. Yes. There obviously was no one touching it, but there was a typewriter in the room and you could hear the for a little bit while they were talking and they were like, is that a typewriter? That was Peggy. And then my favorite moment of the entire portion with Peggy was Zach looking at this poor woman who had had the heart attack two minutes after she saw it, who is petrified of Peggy and going, okay, we want to leave you in here alone with Peggy. No. You need to tie that. Exactly. No. My first thought. And he was like, I'm going to ask you, do you want, do you agree to do that? And my reaction, I was like, what the fuck did you just ask her? No. But of course she goes, yes. And she sits in the room with Peggy. She gets very emotional. She, she says she claims pain. Then the medium comes in. The medium has some weird scissors and the medium does this big swiping motion. And she's like, fuck look, that. I broke the no. link between the two of no. you. And that's the end of the episode. Peggy now lives in Zach's museum in Las Vegas. She has a room to herself. She's enclosed in a glass case. And right outside her glass case that's constantly going is a spirit box. There it is. Mm. So Peggy's in that room. She's enclosed in a case. And next to her is a speaker box. I did it again. Next to her is a spirit box that's constantly going. And that's your, 
that's the machine that tells you when you have regrets. Like right. me not being able to get through this last portion of the story. <laughs> um, so she's got a spirit box constantly going next to her with a camera always on her to catch anything that she might say. One of the guides at the museum had one story about a patron who was being a huge prick and just an asshole. And the guide is like, we're not allowed to be jerks to the patrons. Right. But... I tell myself, if they're being real jerks, I'll let the spirits deal with them and let the spirits handle them. And apparently this dude who's being just a real big old pee hole walks into Peggy's room and this guide will not walk into Peggy's room. He's standing outside and the noise of a spirit box is very loud, very monotonous. It's just like. Yeah. All of a sudden he heard a break in that, a stop. And in a different distorted voice, he heard, I'll kill you. And then it went right back to speaker box sounds. Fuck that. Fuck all that. So Peggy lives in Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum. She's there. If you go see her, you're supposed to say hello, Peggy. And goodbye, Peggy, to open and close the connection. And they advise that if you ask Peggy any questions, you are opening yourself up for any sort of harm that might come from doing so. And we're also apparently not supposed to talk about her or talk shit about her. So we just did. So I hope we'll we're see okay. if we're okay. I wasn't able to sleep last night, but that part of that could also be anxiety from my life being up in shambles without having a job. But the other part of me was lying awake going, what if Peggy, Peggy is dear yeah. Daviding me right now in this bedroom and I turn around you and I see Peggy David. right at the end of my bed. That's what I was imagining all night, Stephanie. Charlie's got this chair at the back of his room that like if you're laying in the bed, you can look directly at it. I was like, if I roll over, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to see Peggy sitting in that, in that bed, chair, yeah. just like dear David. So we'll see if Peggy does anything to us. So far, all my electronics work. <laughs> Yeah, everything looks okay for right now. Let's see what happens with Peggy. Give it a couple days. And I was abbreviating her in my notes as PTD, and I was like, by the end of this, I got PTSD. (laughs) Is PTD for Peggy the doll? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Those are her initials. Peggy the doll. PTD. Peggy the doll. Peggy the scary doll. PTSD. So that's my story that I was really excited about because she's spooky as fuck and I really want to go to that museum and let us know if you suffered a headache, migraine, heart attack, shortness of breath. This sounds like a medicine commercial. Contact your doctor if you experience any of the following. If your erection lasts more than four hours, it might be Peggy the doll. It might be Peggy. But you should see a doctor. You should. Not Peggy the doctor, though. Yep. Peggy the doctor. (laughs) Same initials, so it's easy to mix them up. Be careful. It's easy. It's easy. (laughs) Okay. Weird. Okay. So, if and also, Stephanie, if you want to go look up what she looks like, I obviously be aware. Obviously, I'm gonna. Be aware. I need to to add to my risk. Peggy the doll. Especially before you go into the woods. Peggy the doll's going to follow you into the woods. Did you just Google her? She looks like an old lady. Be careful. She's going to come to, she's going to come and dim your lights or some shit. That's why, because she looks like a total Karen. 
So that's why. <laughs> like, you can't complain about her because then she's going to come complain to the manager and, be like, and fuck with your whole life. With the manager of your life. Of your body, which is your heart. Yeah, your brain's the CEO, your heart's the manager. I she's mean, like, she, I want to speak to your manager. She does, though. She looks like a middle-aged woman. Middle-aged white woman. I'm like, should I post pictures of her on our Instagram? Oh, maybe I will, but I'll put the blur over them. Like, oh my god, click on I it love if you that. Dare. Right, right, <laughs> like to reveal the picture. <laughs> reveal oh god, your I own wrist. Please do, and then make it an ad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is what your money goes to if you Hashtag support Annabelle. us. Hashtag Annabelle. <laughs> wrong doll, wrong doll, wrong doll, wrong doll. Oh my god. Roll doll, wrong doll. Roll doll. <laughs> Okay. All right, Peggy. All right, Peggy. All right, All everyone. Right, well, thank you for listening. So if you want to support our show, the best way to do that, of course, is by giving us money. And you can do that by subscribing to our Patreon. We have $1, $5, and $15 tiers. We might soon have a $20 tier. Yay. And you can also buy merch from us at our website, which is deadtimestories, all one word with a Z, dot com. And if you want to support us in ways that don't cost you any money, because we understand there's a pandemic, shit's crazy. We get it, we get it. The best way to do that is by giving us a five-star review on iTunes and leaving a little review that talks about how we're great and why you like us. And that's how other people find us. That's the way the algorithm works. So help a girl out. And then you can also email us at deadtimestories at gmail.com. And Sarah loves getting them damn emails. And sometimes she reads them on the air. And sometimes she gets ideas from them that she and does on the I air. ideas. Yep. So please, we love hearing from you guys. Do you and like us it. still? That's all we got. That's it. <laughs> all right, guys. Enjoy. Sleep well. We hope Peggy doesn't haunt your dreams. Doesn't if she does, tell dreams. us. Yeah, please. Either way, let us know. By all means. And then give us Uh, money so we can pay for a trip to go to Zach Bagan's Las Vegas Haunted Museum. And we can see her. Because Vegas is opening again, right? (laughs) Girl. Maybe they have a virtual tour. That's scary, girl. That's what we gotta do. It's not the same. I want to potentially get haunted by something. You don't think they'll haunt us through the interwebs? Like, if if we see her on the camera? No, because I already looked at her so many times. Okay, that's fair. She ain't done nothing. I'm kidding, Peggy. Sarah's, like, looking around for Peggy. (laughs) She's gonna Dear David me. Dear Peggy. I feel like you, like, want her to, though. (laughs) I'm, like, scared. You're like, do it, Peggy. You won't. You won't. Please don't (laughs) do it. Don't. Yes? No? Let us know if Peggy haunts your dreams. (laughs) Thank you. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And that's Peggy. And and that's Peggy. (laughs) And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. (gasps) Peggy. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. Oh my god, I just thought of someone was like, peg time stories. Wait, that's some fetish blog. That's something. That's That's, someone's Tumblr. Don't don't yuck their yum. I'm not. I'm laughing at it. I'm stopping.